In our series about what it takes to live in this world, we have spoken about forgiveness, a necessity in dealing with the past. Today I would like to talk to you about the future. There are those who assure our future. We depend on them. There are those who await the call of 911, who will send the fireman to put out your fire, who will send the ambulance to carry you to the, the hospital where you will find appropriate people waiting to deal with you in the emergency room. There are those who wait upon you for whatever may happen and eventuate as far as your world is concerned, the armed forces who are ready to defend. There are those who faithfully teach your children as you entrust them to their care. There's a whole host of committed people in this world, and that's what makes it possible for us to move into the future with a certain amount of confidence and security. And we cannot live in this world without commitment, the commitment of those who, who make life for us. And of course, those who make commitments are living in the footsteps of the God who has made the supreme commitments. He made a commitment originally to our, our first parents in that Garden of Eden when he said, I will send someone at the appropriate time who will crush the evil in the world, will stomp on the head of, of Satan himself. And then he called Abraham and he said, Abraham, you go into the land of which you've never heard. And you leave all that you hold dear and with which you are familiar and I'll be there with you. And Abraham found this to be true. And he said to Moses, you go and represent this slave people before Pharaoh, the great emperor of the world. Tell them that he has to let my people go and I'll be with you. And God's commitment was true. And he led Moses and the people not only out of Egypt, but through the impossibilities of the wilderness. God was committed Finally, his commitment carried him to an incarnation to come and live among us and finally to become the lamb that was slain for the sins of us all. The costliness of commitment for us. We cannot live without commitment. The commitment of others who care, who so love beyond the depths of our comprehension it is God above all. He is the committed one. Because of our faithfulness, he calls us into his service. As we read in the text of the morning, 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. His faithfulness, the great archetype of all commitment, makes life possible. 
Now you do the same thing, do you not? You make life possible for others because of your commitments. I'll call for you in the morning for work. I'll phone you. I'll pick up your child. I'll have your automobile repaired. You can come to my office three months from now at two o'clock in the afternoon. I'll be there. We constantly make commitments to one another. And probably one of the most profound commitments we make to each other is the commitment of, of marriage. A commitment that says we will walk with you, a single person, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part, we'll walk together and the other person depends on you. Finds in your words that supreme sense of security. I belong to someone who loves me. And there are no conditions attached. This person will be there just for me. And when you make that promise, what you are doing is, is declaring your willingness to sacrifice some of your freedom, some of your resources, to sacrifice your time, your energies, your interests, your best efforts, and we call that commitment. Remember that great play of Shakespeare, The Merchant of Venice, when the three suitors of Portia were, were striving to gain her hand and her father devised the idea of, of three boxes from which the Prince of Morocco and the Prince of Aragon and Bosanio would choose. There was a gold one and a silver one and a, a lead box. It was Bosanio who chose the lead box because on it there was the inscription, He who chooses me must give and hazard all he has. That's commitment, to give and to hazard all that you have and to be willing to do so not only in a, a grand high moment of emotion but to carry this through your life no matter how deep the trial or how lonely the hour. John Haggai put it this way in one of his writings he said maturity is demonstrated by those who carry out the continuing responsibilities of a commitment after the atmosphere in which the commitment was made has vanished. That's commitment, isn't it? When we don't feel like it anymore, when all of the luster is gone, when the glow of the moment is over, the moon has set, the sun has risen to a working day, and all of the romance of the evening is finished. Where are we in our commitments? We struggle with these commitments. We struggle the more because the, 
the environment in which we live is not necessarily conducive to keeping those commitments. A few years ago, there was a bestseller called Habits of the Heart by Robert Bella. And he investigated those commitments that we make as a people. And he pointed out that originally there was this rugged American individualism that made us what we were. And the selfhood of America was identifiable in the commonality of our values and the expressions of life. And we stood together shoulder to shoulder as, as families and school teachers, the, the policemen, the churches, the institutions. We were all together in knowing right from wrong and, and understanding the mores that governed our communities and governed our nation. And today these this individualism has been turned to mean self-interest. And we now believe that we have the luxury to be our own selves. And this freedom of ours is the vehicle for self-gratification. And our marriages and our homes and our work and our government is to serve us as individuals. We have graduated from that interdependence where we share our memories and our rituals together to a, a narcissistic indulgence for ourselves. And we find it very difficult to make commitments in that kind of an environment. And I think that Bella has placed a finger on something of, of great significance that we need to think about as American people. What does it mean to be committed? It's difficult today to, to justify absolute commitments. We find many of our heroes are those who break those commitments and who are lauded for it. We find there is so much that militates against the unconditional commitments which may be very costly to us as individuals. But it's also very difficult to rise above the moment in which we make commitments and carry on with those commitments to see their implications, to fund them with our energies and resources so that they are realized somewhere in the future. When we say, I'll be there, to mean it, and then to do it. For a moment of high emotional resolve, does not make a commitment. It may be a moment of decision and an expression of intention, but never a commitment. How do we get from making these great promises 
without commitment. We need not look far in biblical literature to find an example. The great fisherman turned apostle was a person of commitment. Remember when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And it was Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You fulfill all that the Old Testament spoke about when it said the Messiah is coming. And Jesus blessed him for it. Then there was the time that Jesus knelt down to wash his feet and Peter stopped him and said, not my feet only, wash all of me. There was the time when, when Peter said, I'll never deny you. In fact, I die for you, Lord. Peter was a, a sincere man who, who believed that he loved the Lord. He wanted to serve him with all of his heart. But what happened? It was a few minutes after he confessed him to be the Messiah that Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. For Peter couldn't imagine that Jesus had to suffer and to die. It took Peter some time to realize that the leader is the one who washes feet. That love transcends convenience and can be the essence of humility. It was Peter who finally went out and wept bitterly, but then heard the words of his Lord saying, Feed my sheep. Peter, the the committed man who struggled with his commitments. Can you identify with that? You promise, and then you fail. And then you find that, that your feelings were too high in a moment to be sustained for a lifetime. Yet it's in that very connectedness of the moment of commitment with the moments and the days and the years that follow that make you who you are. And it's those moments and those days and years that lead to an identity that others will see. For those who are faithful are unique in the sense that they are walking in the steps of our Creator. And it is that God who said that being faithful, He calls us to His service. For He is the faithful one, no matter how costly it was. Jesus dealt with this subject John 6, there's a record of those who followed him when things were going well. They loved to be fed. They they wanted his miracles. But when he told them about the cost of discipleship, they all left him. And he turned to the faithful few and said, Are you going to leave too? Commitments had vanished. He spoke about it again, as recorded in Luke 14, when some said they wanted to follow him, 
But one said, I've just bought a new field, I have to go take care of it. And another one said, I've got a new team of oxen, I need to try them. And someone else said, there's a great event in my life and I, I just don't have time right now. Jesus said, what kind of commitment is that? And he went on to tell us again in Matthew 21 about the, the man who said, yes, I'll go, Lord, but then he didn't go. And how like so many of us who understand what it means to be committed, not wanting to be left behind, but wanting to be part of the future. Not only of our own future, but that of others. We make these commitments to them, and then we fail. And sometimes we have the best of intentions. How do we get our momentary promises and decisions to connect with the lives that we live? Because that is the important thing, isn't it? That's what gives us an identity. If you want to know who you are, think back for a moment upon your commitments, what you've done with them. And it will give you a sense of identity. That's how you know God, isn't it? By his faithfulness the unchanging character of a loving, moral God. You can trust him. He's the one who says, look to the future. In 2 Peter 3, he said, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. Believe it. He's the one who promises who guarantees the future. You will see the day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses. Believe it, for he's the God who has made his commitment. But to be godlike, we need to follow his leading. How did he lead? Not simply with good ideas, but he led with a consistency that was unmistakably tracked through the scriptures century after century. And those who see our lives of commitment should be able to track us as well. You and I want to shape that commitment. We shape it as the psalmist said in Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes, we need to taste and see. It isn't good enough to, to just hear. You hear many things. You hear many sermons. You hear the word read. That isn't enough. You can also smell the aroma of all that rises from the Christian community. What a wonderful thing to read about Mother Teresa and, and all those who went before her in the ministries of compassion and, and love and care. It's like walking past a bakery at 4.30 in the afternoon and you're hungry. 
But that isn't enough either, is it? It's like like handling and touching things like the cup and the, the bread at communion, like coming and sitting on these pews, entering his very sanctuary. But that isn't enough to make your commitments real either. You can see what the church has done. You read history and all the great things that have happened. That isn't enough. You have to taste it. It has to be assimilated. That's the only way that you will will participate and make your commitment sure. It's like reading those books about how to play golf and how to watch videos. Hi, I've read the books, I've seen the videos, but don't watch me on the golf course. Because it takes practice and consistency. John Armott, the great layman, decided to learn about prayer, so he read 42 books. When he got all finished with them, he said he still didn't know what it meant. So he pushed all the books aside and he began to pray. By daily disciplines of prayer, he discovered its power and its reality. When we make commitments to God, when we make commitments to each other, it means that we are faithful to them. We indulge ourselves in them. We lose our other freedoms and we exercise the freedom of self-determination. In spite of environment or other pressures, we do what we know is right. Dear friends, you'll never build your character on feeling alone. It's like the love that Jesus commanded, that New Testament concept. He said, love your brothers, your sisters, your neighbor, your enemies. That was a command. It demands your will, demands your mind, not only your feelings. If Jesus had left it to his feelings, his commitment would have been drained of all of its lifeblood. It would have come to nothing. For everyone left him on the cross and he even cried, My God, why have you forsaken me? Yet he went on. He was committed to us. And that's how you know him. Do you want to give someone a future? Make a commitment. We need people of commitment in this day. People who are walking in the footsteps of Jesus and reflecting the image of the one whose likeness they bear. We need to be committed because that is the grounds of all hope and there's no living without hope. It's the way you and I can, in part, give assurance to the future of those whom we love and of those who are loved by our God. What a wonderful thing it will be someday 
when you can say and I can say, as that apostle wrote to that young man, Timothy, God considered me faithful and appointed me to his service. What it takes to live in this world is genuine commitment. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your commitment to us and for the commitment of all of those around us who are there when we need them. Help us to be as committed, to be willing to give up the conveniences of our own desires for the sake of our commitments to others and to you. Forge our wills and our minds with your love. May we walk in the steps of our Master in such a day and time as this. For we pray in his name. Amen.